Blog Talk Radio.
I am Jehovah, the mighty God. Praise the Lord, and welcome to Miracle Outreach Ministries on Sunday. We are a Christian internet church and a local church assembly. It meets together in the name of the Lord on Sundays at 12.30 p.m. Eastern Time in the United States of America, and whatever time it is, wherever you are. I welcome you in the name of Jesus Christ. And since we are on a fast, and coffee is not on the fast, nor tea, I'm certain that you found some fruit juice that you can drink to help you uh, uh, come to awakeness today so that you can join us. Amen. Or you might prefer water. Praise the Lord. And a special welcome to all of our first-time listeners. We want to invite you to join us in our chat room when we're live on the air. Our chat room is located on our webpage. Our webpage is www.miracleinternetchurch.com. That's miracleinternetchurch.com. When the page comes up across the banner, you'll see MIC Radio Chat. Click that link. And when the page changes, click Guest and sign in with your name, N-A-M-E, your name, the one that you were given at birth, preferably. And say hello to the saints, and they will greet you. We're very warm and friendly and receiving in this ministry, and they will greet you in the name of the Lord. If you're on a cell phone or an iPhone, Uh, The procedure is much the same. Go to your browser and pull up MiracleInternetChurch.com. And when the page comes up across the banner, you'll see three white dashes against a black background. Click the three dashes, and they will open up all the other links to you. Amen? And you may proceed from there. So we welcome you in the name of Jesus Christ. Because where two or more are gathered together in his name, he is here in our midst. Amen. We want to thank our Father for his goodness and for his mercy and for his grace. For those of you who are new, we begin our services by celebrating Holy Communion. So we encourage you to get your elements together if you would desire to participate. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. We are also on the air every Wednesday and every Friday at 6.30 p.m. Eastern Time in the United States of America. Amen. Amen. So we encourage you to join us. Even if you are having technical difficulties, we encourage you to join us in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So, Father, we just want to thank you for everyone who's assembled today to hear the word of God and all 
who will be joining us. Father, we ask you to send forth your angels. And some people, you might have to wake them up, Lord, so that they can come forth and receive from you that that you have today for us. We are grateful for the word of God. We are grateful for a fresh word, Lord. And we thank you for the assembling of the saints that you have assembled here together, Father. We thank you for your glory being in our midst. We thank you for your very presence being over us. We feel your presence, Lord, and we know that you are here. And we give you praise, glory, and honor in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Well, you know, saints, when we are about to enter into Holy Communion, it's a very solemn time for us. And it's a time to reflect. It's a time to think about all that we've been talking about for weeks and where we are in that program. We've been talking about many things. The Lord's been correcting some of our thought patterns and some of our behaviors. And we want to thank him for his corrections. They help us to grow. Uh, Some of us, he's been directly telling us that there's some things he's not too pleased with. And so I pray that you did not ignore the Lord, but rather you went to him in prayer and you confessed your fault so that he could help you to overcome that temptation, that weakness, whatever that might be. You know, if you have a temptation, oh, we'll just use cigarettes or alcohol or something like that, something extremely common. One of the things you should do is get that element away from you. Get it out of your home. Get it out of your car. Wherever it is you keep it or stash it, make it inaccessible. That's one of the things you can do to help yourself. Don't make it so easy for you to have access to the thing that you're tempted by. Amen? And the same can be said of some relationships. You're tempted to do something you have no business doing, and you know it. So why are you on the phone with that person? Why? You know that's not your strong place in Christ. You know that you need the Lord to strengthen you there. You know you need to grow. So why are you sitting there uh, playing this little game with yourself as if you don't realize that? You can look at your past, and you can see places where you fell because you didn't take proper precautions to keep you out of trouble. You know, some people answered phone calls they should have left unanswered. Some people refused to block phone numbers they should have blocked. All kinds of things have happened. Some people should have put that money away. No, it went right in the wallet. Some people should have just said nothing. But no, they had to get the last word in. Amen? So whatever it is that tempts you, whatever that might be, you need to do something about it. Yes, you do. 
And if you don't know what to do, the Lord encourages you to ask him, and he will help you. He says if you lack wisdom, ask it, and he'll tell you. So I want to encourage everybody, if chocolate ice cream is your thing, then make sure there's none in the house. Amen? There are things that you can do in the natural to help yourself out of a mess. Amen? And we should do those things, especially when the Holy Spirit prompts us to or encourages us to, like he's doing right now. Amen. You know when you get on the phone with a certain person, you have a tendency to gossip. Well, you need to bind that up in the name of Jesus Christ. You need to limit the amount of time you're on the phone with that person, and you need to begin the conversation saying so-and-so, you know, I recently did some repenting with the Lord about gossiping and take it from there. Amen. We don't always have to fall into the trap. We can do a few things to help ourselves. If you know your temptation is to get mad in traffic because, you, first of all, you left home late, you know how to help that situation. Amen. Let's help ourselves to succeed. And if we don't exactly know what to do about it, ask the Lord. Ask the Lord. He'll tell us what we need to do. Praise the Lord. Amen. So, Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, as we come to Holy Communion, we bring before you all that is not of God about us. And we bring before you our temptations and our places of weakness. We want to thank you, Lord, that you gave that sermon a long time ago about turning our weaknesses over to you. Thank you for that. And we give you praise for it, Father, in Jesus' name. We want to thank you for those pearls and those words of wisdom. We want to thank you that it's available on the website. We want to thank you for our website and for all that you've been doing in the background to help us to maintain it and to help us do what we ought to do and what we need to do. We ask you to continue your move, Lord. We thank you for it, and we truly do appreciate it. And we repent, all of us, of all of our trespasses, all of our sins, all of our shortcomings, all the places where we fell short in Jesus' name, when we got too hasty to say something, or where we were quick-tempered, whatever the case may be, Father, we bring it before you in the spirit of truth. We thank you that the Bible says that if we confess our faults before you, that you are just faithful to forgive us, and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We give you praise, Lord. We give you glory. And we give you honor, Lord, in Jesus' name. And now, Lord, we enter into the celebration of Holy Communion. 
Lord, you knew what it was going to take to set us free. You knew what it was going to require of you. You, But you fully embraced it. You didn't hide from it. You didn't run from it. You didn't shrink from it. You fully embraced it. You embraced it in the spirit, and you embraced it in the natural. Help us, Lord, when we faced our trying and our challenging times to embrace what you have allowed in our lives and to seek your guidance, to seek your wisdom that we might have a successful outcome in the end, in Jesus' name. Now, if you have your elements ready, if you have your elements ready, we're ready. For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it. Thank you, Lord. And said, take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. Partake of the bread. Same manner also, he took the cup. When he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Thank you, Lord. Partake of the cup. As ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show the Lord's death till he come. Wherefore, Whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself. And so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation to himself not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause, many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord, that we should not be condemned with the world. Amen? Father, we want to thank you. Lord Jesus, we want to thank you. Holy Spirit, we want to thank you. We want to thank you for the sacrifice, and we want to thank you for the victory. In Jesus' holy name. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Heavenly Father, 
in the name of Jesus Christ. We lift up to you new projects and new ideas that we are considering. We think that it should be that this particular idea or project should be a part of something that we do. But we come to seek your wisdom concerning it. If it is not of you, Lord, please put a check in our spirit. Let us know from the inside out that this is not you. Direct us to stop planning and working on it and put a halt to any further waste of time and energy. We thank you for this, Lord. If it is of you, Father, then we thank you for your counsel and assistance concerning it. Give us understanding and discernment in the preparation stages as we gather the information we need to devise a course of action and to plan whatever budget may be required. Help us, Father, to accumulate the needed information so that we can carry out this plan in accordance with your will and purpose. We want to thank you, Lord, for your insight and wisdom. We ask you to give each of us guidance and direction by your Holy Spirit so we will know how to use this information that we gather and to use it to its maximum advantage. Reveal to us, Father, any hidden costs or expenses or difficulties or unusual circumstances so that we can take them into account in preparing for this project. We thank you, Lord, for helping us to be accurate in our assessment, not just wandering around in our thoughts and our emotions, but accurate in our assessment of the situation. Sometimes, Father, we allow our emotions to lead the way when we should not. No, we are to have control. We're supposed to have dominion and authority over our emotions. We are to be led by the Holy Spirit and not by our emotions. We thank you, Father, for helping us to understand if we have entered into such due to jealousy, envy, or covetousness. Maybe we watch too much advertising. Maybe we listen to somebody else's plan and decided that that was something we ought to do. But, Lord, help us with these weak areas of our lives. Give all of us that are involved in the project the ability to concentrate our attention and focus our efforts so that we can successfully complete this undertaking and thereby bring honor and glory to you, Father. And in Jesus' name we pray, and everyone said amen, amen, and amen. Praise the Lord. You know, sometimes, saints, we get a bright idea, and it sounds like a good idea at the time, but it may not be a God idea, 
or it may not be a God idea for this time or this season. It may not be a God idea for this time or this season. So what do we do? Well, if it's not for this time or this season, I'll tell you what you can do. Little girls, when they first start carrying a purse, when they get tired of carrying it, they hand it to their mom and say, would you hold this for me, please? Well, you can hand that idea, that project, that thought that you've been carrying, you can hand it to the Holy Spirit and say, would you hold this for me, please, until it's the right time? Amen. You can do that. It's very simple and very trusting, and you can do that. So sometimes it's not time. It's not time to do a certain thing. It's a good idea, but it's not yet a God idea. Amen? So perhaps we should carry this thought with us throughout the weeks to come, that it might be an excellent idea, but it's not an idea for right now. Amen? Amen. And all the people that used to be little girls that knew how to do that and did it, said amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. You know, sometimes we have a tendency to plunge into things because we suddenly have an interest in them. And before we know it, we've spent money on it. We've invested a lot of time in it when that time should have been used for something else. Amen? You know, it's, it, it takes time as we grow to learn to walk in step with the Lord, the Lord. The idea might be a great idea, but it's not God's time for us to get into it. We have to learn. That's right, learn. That means there's some trial and error involved in learning to wait for God's timing. You want to approach somebody about discussing something, but it might not be a good time. Seek the Lord for his timing. It may not be the right season. Seek the Lord for his season for this. And then you'll find out that things go better. Not that you won't have any any issues to come forth, but you'll be walking with the Lord in whatever your endeavor is. Amen? Amen. So, we want to thank the Lord for that word of encouragement. Amen? We want to thank the You know, as a matter of fact, there are questions that we have asked the Lord that we want an answer to, and we think we ought to have the answer right now. But God doesn't think so. God doesn't think so. He thinks that we should wait until he answers us. We should have enough reverence and enough respect 
for who our God is to wait until he gives the answer. But some of us are so strong-willed, some of us are so self-willed that we just charge right ahead. And it doesn't matter how many roadblocks there are. We're going to use our faith to knock every single one of them out of the way. Yes, we are. Oh, we are so determined. We are so determined. Amen? We need to learn how to wait for God's timing. In waiting for God's timing, we reverence him, we honor him, we show him respect and love and even courtesy. After all, he's God. And we are his children. And when he says not yet, he means not yet. So what do we do? Sometimes we ask a question and it's not time for us to receive the answer. But what do we do? We want to pout and sulk and all those other immature responses that don't please the Lord. So what are we going to learn to do? We're going to learn to wait on the Lord. We're going to learn to walk in sync, if you will, with him. We're going to believe for his timing. You see, Ecclesiastes reminds us that there's a time and a season for every purpose under heaven. And that's very serious. Some of us have missed blessings because we just could not wait for God or would not wait. Some of us have missed blessings. We just took off flying down the street, you know, just here we go, we're going to do it. No, wait for God to bring everything in line and in order. And don't fret and get all anxious and upset while you wait. Just wait patiently with him. Amen? Patiently with him. Amen? Praise the Lord. So today, saints, we're going to do some more prayer. We're going to do a little bit more praying. We're going to do some spiritual warfare because this is the, these are the high days. We're headed toward the celebration of Resurrection Sunday. These are the high days. The enemy is busy, and we don't need to forsake our spiritual warfare. So we thank you, Father, for our weapons of warfare. We thank you, Lord, for all of our armor that you have blessed us with. Help us to appreciate, Father, each part of our armor and the purpose for which you gave it to us. Help us to come to an understanding of your intent, the intent of your heart for every piece of the armor that you've blessed us with. We want to thank you, Lord, 
and give you praise. And, Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, from our position seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, we bind Satan, the strong man, all of his evil angels, evil spirits, demonic agents, all of his underlings, timings, maneuvers, tactics, devices, plans, and orders, and we cancel all demonic assignments and satanic agendas in Jesus' name against the righteous. We take the territory from Satan in Jesus' name. We bind every form of godliness which denies the power of Jesus Christ. We come into agreement with the Father, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit, and we come out of agreement with Satan, his agents, his power, and his kingdom in Jesus' name. We close and seal all portals, channels, open doors of access to the enemy. We pull down all demonic thrones. We bind the wicked principalities, powers, rulers of darkness, and all spiritual wickedness in high places. We release the all-consuming fire of God on every ley line, silver cord, and garland. We bind the demons and workers of darkness in the heavenlies, in the bush, and in the deep. We bind rape and murder to its strong men and dethrone them all, chaining them all in eternal chains and darkness, placing them in the custody of the Holy Spirit. We bind the sources of all witchcraft attacks. And we return the attacks onto the heads of the devils that bring them to cling to them for eternity. Father, there are ungodly prayers going forth all over the world. There are ungodly, unscriptural, unholy prayers going forth all over the world. And from our position, seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus, we take power, authority, and dominion over all that is uttered that is not of Jesus Christ. We bind it in the name of Jesus Christ. We chain it with eternal chains unto darkness. We place it into the spiritual cage, and we send it to the feet of Jesus for we place it under your feet, Lord Jesus, and we thank you, and we give you praise. Oh, hallelujah. We bind all trafficking, listening, reporting, watchers, peeps, whispers, familiar demons, electronic and digital demons, technology demons and their attacks, electromagnetic attacks, smart technology and particle attacks, techno-paganism, mind controlled by the occult. We bind you in the name of Jesus Christ. We bind you in the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord. We bind peeps, whispers, all the familiar devils, Leviathan spirits and their attacks, Kundalini spirits and their attacks, water and marine spirits, even star marine spirits and their attacks. All sex devils and their attacks, every unclean spirit and their attacks, passive devils and their attacks, pain-afflicting spirits, sleep deprivation, artificial intelligence, smart dust, drone spirits, seducing and womanizing spirits, sorcery devils and their attacks, the Havana syndrome, brain changes, injuries, all remote viewing, sonic and audio weapons. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God, whoredom spirits and their attacks. All the voices of the stranger in their attacks. All the targeted radio frequencies, 
pulse weapons and their attacks, microwave attacks, debilitating sonic frequency attacks, the work of every druid, what comes off the satellite and off the cell towers, 5G EMF attacks. Oh, we bind the whoredom spirits in the name of Jesus Christ. We bind hypnotic and trance devils, their attack, mystic rituals and their intent. Now, you know we bind hypnotic and trance devils every time we come on the air. But if you're going to sit there and glue yourself to that, those spirits are going to attack you. Amen? Those spirits are going to attack you. Why? Because you're opening yourself up to them. You're availing yourself to them. We bind all the uh, entertainment devils that are on the radio, even Christian radio, in Jesus' holy name. The Father is seeking such to worship him, that worship him in spirit and in truth. Praise the Lord. Praise the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. We give you praise. We give you glory. We give you honor. Thank you, Lord. We bind all mystic rituals and their intent. We bind and overturn all and empty all cauldrons and chalices upon the heads of the conjurers and the magicians. We bind every order of magic and mystic arts. We bind Buddhist black magic, Santeria, Kabbalah, Egyptian, Chaldean, Hindu, Indian, African, European, North American, South American, indigenous persons, native groups, Caribbean, Latin American, black and white magic in the name of Jesus. From every quarter, from every place on this globe and otherwise, and in any sphere where witchcraft is being sent against a Christian or against unknowing persons, persons that know nothing about that, they're not into that, but they're being attacked by that. We bind it in the name of Jesus Christ. We bind it in the name of Jesus Christ, and we return it from whence it came. Amen. Praise the Lord. We bind every order of magic and mystic art. We bind all Morgellons attacks and return every attack to the senders. We bind the culture of corruption worldwide. We bind all free-flying devils. We bind all evil spirits which take animal forms, all shape-shifting spirits, trapping them into their shifted form for eternity. We bind each demon responsible for the dominion of sin in our culture. We bind impulsivity, inattention, racing mind, and hyperactivity. In Jesus' name, we bind the prince of the power of the air and all of his underlings in the name of Jesus, and we return his powers to Jesus Christ. We bind the power of the dog. And every abomination that has been committed, we bind the Lord of the flies and his agents, and we place them under the feet of the Lord Jesus. We bind the Mandela effect, all satanic ritual abuse devils, satanic worship, and witchcraft dedications in Jesus' name. We bind all formations of bull flies and demonic insects. We bind all spiders in their webs, trapping them in their own webs. We bind the transference of evil spirits, spirits of infirmity, Spirits of supplanting the gods of the people of the land, the gods of the groves, and every spirit that exalts science, logic, human reasoning, and demonic knowledge against the knowledge of God and makes man wise in his own eyes. We bind you in Jesus' name. 
We bind the transference of evil spirits. We bind mammon and his agents. We bind all demons sent forth to intimidate, harass, manipulate, lie against, mock, wear down, infect, destroy, spy, sabotage, hinder, besmirch, block, distract, confuse, pervert, stifle, curse, expose, stop, defile, corrupt, assassinate, undermine, despise, divide, confound, reproach, and reduce the effectiveness of the righteous in Christ Jesus. We return and loose these attacks to the senders according to the covenant in Jesus' name. We bind the bondage of generation of fools, the spirit of the fool in Jesus' name. We bind the fool's anger in Jesus' name. We bind the carnal mind. Now I'm going to tell you, if you have members of your family uh, that are doing the Easter celebration with the Easter eggs, the baskets, you know, the fake grass, the whole program, and you have to go spend time with them for whatever reason. Don't forget to bind their devils and all their ritualistic and uh, idolatrous sins in Jesus' name, or else those spirits will be following you to your car and following you home. You know what they do that's not of God, and you need to bind it before you ever get into the vehicle to go there. You know what they do. They've been doing it that way for years. Amen? So let's keep our armor up. Let's keep our armor on. Amen? Let's walk in awareness and truth. You don't have to stand there and preach them a sermon necessarily, but you do have to do your spiritual warfare before you go and probably some while you're there and after you leave. Amen? We return to sender according to the covenant all in every reprisal, retribution, counterattack, retaliation, all avenging, all blowbacks, all vengeance, every boomerang, each payback, and all requiting of our righteous warfare in Jesus' name. This includes every evil work, mark, rite, ritual, ceremony, sacrifice, proclamation, pronouncement, vow, root work, or sin against us, astral projection, sending demons to us to work against us and against all that pertains to us, no demon, no wicked person, or unrighteous event left behind. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, for all of us who still like certain aspects of sin, especially where relationships are involved, we like certain things, and we're too attached to certain things and to some person. We ask you, Lord, to help us detach and to help us, give us strength to loose ourselves from those things that we know that you don't want us to have any part of, not in our thoughts, not in our actions, not in our heart, not in our behavior. We turn them over to you right now, Father, in the name of Jesus, and we thank you that we can take our hands off of it right now. We give you praise. We give you glory. We give you honor for it, Lord. Draw us away from those things that you don't want us connected to, Father, in the name of Jesus Christ. We give you praise, Lord. We thank you. We bind all vampire spirits, voodoo, hoodoo, ancient arts, mystic rituals, devils attending the New World Order, New Age movement, the spirits and works of the oppressors, the spirit in the children of disobedience. We bind False religions, numerology, horoscopes, the great reset, make-believe, fantasy, la-la land, martial arts, yoga, 
Transcendental Meditation, Antichrist Ideologies and Doctrines, Ahab and Jezebelic Practices, Lewdness, Perversions, The Outworking of Vain Deceit, Death Spirits, Spirits of Destruction, Chaos and Mayhem, Oppression, Depression, Anarchy, Premonition, Clairvoyance, ESP, Telepathy, Psychokinesis, Bow BK, Out-of-Body Experiences, Reincarnation, Haunting, Poltergeist, Astral Travel, Psychic Healing, Demonic Meditation, Spirit Guides, and Defilement by Wizards. We bind that in the name of Jesus Christ. We bind death spirits, spirits of destruction, spirits of chaos, spirits of mayhem, spirits of hindrance. We're trying to accomplish something, and we know that that's what we ought to be doing. But then the enemy has come to hinder us. We bind his hindrances in the name of Jesus Christ. We bind him hindering others that are sent to help us out in the name of Jesus. We ask you, Father, to loose them from their hindrances and the blockages that keep them from helping us in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Praise the Lord. We bind the king of pride, his kingdom, and all that he does against human beings in Jesus' name. We bind oppression and depression. We bind all demonic blood, sexual, financial, animal, fecal, and soulish sacrifices. Every sacrifice that is not pleasing to the Lord, we bind in Jesus' name. We bind all devils attached to idols and idolatry. We bind every form of rebellion, idolatry, root work, mind control, nature worship, deception, scoffing, error, worldly indoctrination, military spirits, rioting, abuse, all trolls, all fear, combative jealousy, fleshly ambition, the culture of corruption, weariness, betrayal, unfaithfulness, and temptation to sin. We bind Belial, Beelzebub, Baal, Moloch, Basilic, Python, Neptune, Zeus, Apollyon, Kali, all gods and goddesses, Mammon, Atlas, Baphomet, and his 72, and we chain them with eternal chains under darkness. We undo the works of all demonic weapons, fireballs, poisons, voodoo pins and dolls, hot and cold spots, codes, triggers, charms, tumors, designs, and we return their afflictions to the work of witchcraft and their pagan sources. We break the power of every Masonic ritual, ceremony, rite. We bind the work of the demolay and all associated organizations and their idolatries in Jesus' holy name. Hallelujah. Thank you. We bind every spirit that was familiar to the Laodiceans. We bind the pride and foolishness of our own opinions, and we return and loose all the retaliations of the enemy upon his own head according to the scriptures. We bind all traditions and customs rooted in sin. We denounce and renounce them all, and we loose ourselves from them. We bind the gang stalkers and send their fear, harassments, and witchcrafts back on their own heads, as well as their mind control in the name of Jesus. We bind the spirit of slumber. We thank you, Father that you have given us power over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means harm us. We rejoice with you that our names are written in heaven. We bind every spirit that denies the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ and his blood atonement on the cross of Calvary. Father, we ask for eyes to see, ears to hear, hearts to believe, and minds to receive what the Spirit of God says to the church. We repent of an evil heart of unbelief in accord with Calvary, and we ask you, Father, to teach us to guard our hearts with all diligence. Lord, we've come to loose the bands of wickedness, undo heavy burdens, let the oppressed go free, to break every yoke and chain, and to call for justice and plead for truth. 
Lord, develop in us a love for the truth. Lead us into truth. Your word is truth. Make us to know the truth, and your truth will make us free. When the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord shall lift up a standard against them. Lord, we have come to celebrate the scriptures with you and to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. We will not turn back from pursuing the enemy until the Godhead does. The Lord Jesus Christ is our commander-in-chief in whom we serve and obey. Well, Father, we pray for the peace of Jerusalem, for kings, for all who are in authority, and all true Christians everywhere, especially persecuted Christians. Though we walk in the midst of trouble, you will revive us. You will stretch forth your hand against the wrath of our enemies, and your right hand shall save us. Father, we thank you for peace in Jesus' name. We thank you for peace. We cover ourselves in the blood of Jesus, our vehicles, the road we travel. In the blood of Jesus, we take authority, dominion, and power over animals, entities, spirits, and demons of the road so that they do not cross our path. We bind them in the name of Jesus. We thank you for your protection. We pull out all fiery darts, pins, needles, spears, voodoo. We command them to come out of our bodies right now in the name of Jesus. We cut and burn all all ungodly silver cords and ley lines, soul ties, attachments, covenants, agreements, oaths, consents, garlands, and every form of agreement with the demonic realm. We pull down and destroy walls of protection around globalists, nanotechnology, shamanists, satanists, wizards, warlocks, witches, sorcerers, divinators, and such. And we break the power of every love spell, vex, hex, curse, Charms, fetishes, all that psychic warfare that goes on, witchcraft, sorcery, magic, mind control, potions, bewitchments, death, destruction, jinxes, pain, all psychic powers being sent against us, prayer chains, incense and candle burnings, crystals, hoodoo, root work, incantations, ungodly blessings, tribal rituals and sins. We bind it all in the name of Jesus Christ, and we thank you for the freedom that you have given us in Jesus' name. We give you praise and we give you glory, Lord. Thank you for your love. We receive your love in Jesus' name. Well, saints, let's talk about Jesus. About Jesus. In the Gospel of John, chapter 14, the Gospel of John, chapter 14, beginning with verse 9, it reads, Jesus saith unto him, Have I been so long time with you, and yet hast thou not known me, Philip? He that hath seen me hath seen the Father. And how sayest thou then, Show us the Father? Believest thou not that I am in the Father, and the Father in me? Well, saints, do you believe that? Do you believe that you are in the Father and that Father is in you? Do you really? Do you act as though it's so? Do you? The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that's where that dwelleth in me but the Father that dwelleth in me. 
Where did Jesus say that the Father was? He said, in him. So, with you, where is the Father in relation to you? If you did not say that he was in you, you might want to go back and reread the scriptures. Amen? And this time, believe them. The Father dwells in you. The Father was dwelling in Jesus when he was here on the earth, and the Father dwells in you. He's not off in heaven on a cloud somewhere, floating down to his throne. Let's be serious. He lives in you. And so a lot of the things that you believe, think, do, they just don't line up with who's in you. They do not line up with who is in you. Amen? It's time for change. But the Father that dwelleth in me, he doeth the works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me. Do you believe that? Or else believe me for the very work's sake. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I shall do, he shall he do also. And greater works than these shall he do, because I go to my Father. And whatsoever you shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Amen? That the Father may be glorified in the Son. Amen. We all need help with our faith. We need to really, really believe this. And I mean, we need to believe it to the point that um, no matter what happens, That's what comes out of us because that's what's in us. You see, Jesus was never defeated, not one time. In the wilderness, Jesus faced Satan's temptations and he won. He came out the victor. He won. Jesus faced the power of sin and won. That's right. Tempted in all points as we are, yet without sin, he won. He faced the power of sickness, and he won. He faced angry threats and opposition from the Jews, the Pharisees, and the Roman government, and he won. Amen? In the Garden of Gethsemane, He looked death in the face, and he won. Mm -hmm. It can be done. He faced the humiliation, the rejection, and the agony of the cross, and he won. In the grave, he went to the pits of hell, 
He faced Satan. He took those keys back, and he won. One of the most powerful strategies that Jesus Christ used to defeat Satan and live his life in absolute victory was that he faced the enemy from a certain position, a position that each of us should occupy. We'll talk about that position. You see, Jesus Christ knew some things. How did he know some things, you say? Well, I'll tell you, the same way that we can know some things. He knew them through the scriptures because the scriptures spoke of him. And he knew them through his fellowship and prayer time with his father. He knew them because things were revealed to him in the word of God. We've talked about this. And through his fellowship with his father. Amen? We have the same access. Jesus faced the enemy knowing there was no possibility for defeat. You said, well, I can't do that. I disagree. The word of God disagrees with you. The night before Jesus was crucified, he knew that his hour had come. He knew the time appointed by God had come when he would leave the earth and return to his father. You see, he knew the season, he knew the time. Now, in the Gospel of John, chapter 13, verse 1, the Gospel of John, you might want to put one of your markers there. We're going to go there today. The Gospel of John, chapter 13, verse 1. Now, before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour was come, that he should depart out of this world unto the Father, having loved his own, which were in the world, he loved them unto the end. Jesus knew that his hour had come. He knew that. He was fully aware of that. Amen? Jesus knew Father was in control of his circumstances. Do you know that? Do you? Do you really know that? Do you believe that? Jesus knew that his life was not in the hands of the Jews, the Pharisees, or Pilate, but his life was in the hands of his heavenly Father. Do you know that? Do you really know it, and do you sincerely believe it? Are you fully persuaded of that truth? Amen. 
Jesus did not look forward to his death as a time of defeat, but as a time of great victory. He had told his disciples earlier, the hour is come. The hour is come. The Son of Man should be glorified. In John chapter 12, verse 23, John chapter 12, verse 23. And Jesus answered them, saying, The hour is come that the Son of Man should be glorified. In this verse, Jesus was referring to his death. No, not to a ticker tape parade in New York. He was referring to his death on the cross. Jesus faced the pain and suffering on the cross, knowing that through his death, he would bring glory and honor to his father that he would be glorified, exalted, and given a name above every name. Amen? He wasn't wondering. He knew certain things. You know certain things, too. Knowing this, with this knowledge, with the power that comes from this knowledge, Jesus never wavered. Well, now you've been listening to the gospel being preached to you for some time now. There should be some things that you know that keep you anchored in the Lord. And you should not be wavering at this point because you should be anchored. Jesus never faltered. He never flinched. He never retreated. He didn't run away from the challenge. He knew he had already been given the victory. He'd been given the victory. He had to walk it out. In John Chapter 13, beginning with verse 3, John, the Gospel of John, chapter 13, beginning with verse 3. Jesus knowing, Jesus knowing that the Father had given all things into his hand and that he was come from God and went to God. He rises from supper, laid aside his garments, took a towel, and girded himself. Jesus, knowing that the Father, knowing, there's some things you know, too. Amen. There's some things that you know. Jesus knew that he was returning to the Father. Jesus did not go to Calvary worrying or wondering 
what was going to take place. He knew he was in the Father's hands. He was able to endure the stripes on his back. Yes, he felt them. Pain on the cross because he knew God had given him all power and authority. He knew it. No one could take his life from him. The Roman soldiers could not take his life from him. He could have called a host of angels down from heaven to deliver him. But he had a choice, and he made the right choice. Jesus made the right choice. (laughs) Jesus knew what he had to face and what the outcome would be. He knew that he was eventually going back to his father in victory. Jesus said in John chapter 8, verse 14, for I know whence I came. I know where I came from and whether I go. I know where I'm going. I know where I came from, and I know where I'm going. Amen? Jesus knew these things. Jesus faced every trial. He faced every temptation. He uh, faced every circumstance, knowing that when he spoke, whatever he said would come to pass. Some of us need to take a little more control over what we say because some of the things we say we really don't want to come to pass. And so we ought not to say those things because there's a scripture in the Bible that says that you get whatever you say. All of you that have been proclaiming, well, you can just go and get me a funeral plot. You, I'm, you, I, I just go get my funeral ready. If you've been saying that, you need to be on your face repenting to the Lord right now. It's not for you to determine. You shouldn't be so presumptuous. And you shouldn't walk in your flesh that way. Jesus wasn't wondering. He didn't doubt, he knew. Jesus Christ knew who he was. Jesus Christ knew what his charge was from his father. Jesus Christ knew the will of God. And Jesus Christ knew where he was from and where he was headed. So, your heavenly father has planned for you to face your trials your temptation, your situation, your circumstances, and every attack of the enemy 
from this same position of victory that Jesus had. Not a different one, the same one. You're supposed to know who you are in Christ. You're supposed to know what God's called you to do. He's called us all to do a lot of things. It's right in the scriptures. You don't have to wonder, well, what am I called? It's in the word of God. He's called us all to the ministry of reconciliation. So are you witnessing to anyone? You're supposed to know the will of God. It's right in the word. You're supposed to know that you've been given power and authority. Power of the enemy. You're supposed to know it. It's not guesswork. You're supposed to know it in your knower. It's supposed to be a part of you now. You're supposed to know that if you live a life of faithfulness and obedience and humility before the Lord, if you do what he tells you to do, that when you leave here, you'll go to heaven to be with him. You're supposed to know that. Regardless of where you are in your Christian experience, regardless of the circumstances that you are facing right now, God has a plan of victory for you. You have to choose to participate. Amen. You see, Jesus, as we read in uh, John 14, when Philip says, show us the Father, Jesus said, in essence, look at me. That's how you see the Father. Some of you, when we, when we talk about the Father, you have this concept in your head. I don't know where you got it from, but you have this concept that he's some, some being sitting on the throne with a lightning bolt ready to pop you. Well, that's not right. You may throw that image out. You may be wrong, but he's not waiting to strike you with a lightning bolt, even if you deserve it. Some of you have a problem connecting with the Father, but Jesus said, if you want to see the Father, look at me. Look at me. The Father is in me. I am in him. Look at me, and you will see the Father. Yes, Jesus was born of a woman in the form of human flesh, but he's also the express image of God. And I know that you know about this because we've been reading in the book of Hebrews. Amen? We've been reading in the book of Hebrews. So I know you're familiar with Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3. 
Yes, you are. Who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person. The express image of his person. You see, you can't just run through that. You have to think about what the Lord is saying to you. You see, the Bible says God, who at sundry times, at different times and in different manners, spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the world. So Jesus made the world, plural, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power. When he had himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. Amen. Jesus was the brightness of God's glory. He was the expression of all that God has and is. Yes, he was in the form of human flesh, but Jesus was a reflection of God's glory to us all that God has and is. And the glory of God shone forth and was manifested both in Jesus' character, in Jesus' character, and the things he did. That's how people will know you're actually a Christian, by your godly character and the things you do. It won't be that you stood there and quoted five scriptures. They've seen that before. Nor will your relatives be impressed because now you know three more scriptures than you knew before. It's by the change, the C-H-A-N-G, the change in your character and the things that you do. Three of Jesus' disciples were privileged to actually see an outward physical manifestation of God's glory shining and radiating through Jesus' body. When Jesus took Peter, James, and John with him, on a mountaintop to pray in Matthew chapter 16, 17, Matthew chapter 17, beginning with verse 1. And after six days, Jesus taketh Peter, James, and John his brother, 
and bringeth them up into a high mountain apart, and was transfigured before them. And his face did shine as the sun, and his raiment, his clothing, was white as the light. Remember when Moses came down from spending 40 days before the Lord to get the Ten Commandments? When he came down, he was not aware that his face was shining resplendently. Amen? He had a serious glow. And behold, there appeared unto them Moses and Elijah talking with him. Moses and Elijah. And Elijah standing up there holding the conversation with him. Then answered Peter and said unto Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If thou wilt, let us make here three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. When he yet spake, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them. Hmm. A bright cloud overshadowed them, and behold, a voice out of the cloud, which said the following, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. So who was that talking? I'll let you determine that. This was a very awesome sight to behold. Right before their eyes, Jesus was transfigured from the regular human body that they were used to looking at to seeing the glory of God literally shining completely through him so they could see it with the naked eye. You see, the transfiguration, as it is called, means there was a change that took place. Change. God's trying to get us to do that, to change. It means that an outward expression which proceeds from and is representative of one's inward character. The inward character is now reflected outward. That's right. Amen. You should go back and read that passage a few times and think about this. Jesus lived his life on earth as a man, as a regular human being who ate and slept and yawned and stretched and took baths and paid taxes and prayed and talked to people and encountered people and went to weddings, Jesus lived this life as a human being. He was the Son of God in the form of human flesh. At the transfiguration, 
Matthew 17, starting with verse 1, what we just read, his outward expression was changed. He didn't look the same anymore. The Son of God, who was the express image of God, was made manifest, put on display for the three of them to see, and the voice of God for them to hear. And Moses and Elijah and Jesus. You see, the glory of God proceeded from and was representative of his inward character. It began to shine, shine right through the body, outward so people can see. So in Colossians, in Colossians chapter 1, verse 15, the Bible tells us that Jesus is the image of the invisible God. Image of the invisible God. So if you want to know what the Father is like, Find out what Jesus is like. So when it says in Colossians chapter 1, who is the image of the invisible God, what it means is that there was a change. So Jesus was being the visible representation and manifestation of God. While Jesus lived his life on this earth as the Son of God in the form of human flesh, he was the exact image, the visible representation and manifestation of God to men. This is as good as it gets. To see Jesus was to see God, to see the whole Godhead at once. That's right. Jesus said in John chapter 12, verse 45, John chapter 12, verse 45, and he that seeth me seeth him that sent me. He that seeth me seeth him that sent me. So when Jesus so when Philip asked Jesus to show him the Father, he said to him quite frankly, Have I been so long a time with you that You haven't known me, Philip. What do you mean? You spent all this time with me and you still don't know me? He that has seen me has seen the Father. And how sayest thou then, show us the Father, when I'm standing right here in your face? So how could this be? Some people have a hard time. Understanding. Well, sometimes you have to sit down with the Lord and ask him 
to make it plain to you in a way that you can understand it. Could a man whom they walked with, talked with, and lived with and ate with, how could he be how could he be God? You see, Jesus' family members, his earthly family members, had an extremely difficult time with this. The people that were around him in Nazareth when he grew up, they had a hard time with this. How can the one that we've known all these years, we've seen him do this, we've seen his brothers and sisters, and on and on and on. He grew up and uh, with my children. They went here. They all were by misfit at the same time, and so on and so forth. And we know his mom, and we knew his and we. How can he be the son of God? How can he be the Messiah? You see, sometimes we are so familiar with people that we underestimate what God can do in their lives. We have them in this little pigeonhole in our minds that they can be this, but that's about all. We don't really know them. We just think we do. And so we have this little pigeonhole that we put them in, and that's where they're supposed to stay. And the moment they step out of that, They're not in the little pigeonhole we put them in. We have a problem with them. And you see, they had a problem too. But the problem wasn't Jesus' problem. The problem was there. Amen? Some of us have these religious ideas of Jesus. Religious ideas of the Holy Spirit, religious ideas of the Father that don't meet the real person. We shove them in a pigeonhole. I want to challenge you to turn in your pigeonhole. Turn it in. And let the real God introduce himself to you. Amen. Even the people closest to Jesus who saw the blind eyes open and the dead raised to life could not understand how it was possible for a man to be the exact image of God. Neither Philip nor the other disciples fully understood who Jesus really was until after the resurrection after the resurrection you know uh, one of Jesus's brothers history tells us did not become a believer until after the resurrection he missed all of that time where Jesus was walking around doing miracles left and right he missed all that From the right point of view Why? Because he had Jesus in a pigeonhole In his own mind and heart And he could not receive The truth about Jesus Because he had him in a pigeonhole 
You know, there are some of us that are listening right now that are extremely guilty of this. We have ourselves and other people in a pigeonhole. God wants to do great things with you, but you can't see it. For, for You just can't see it. Why? You can't imagine such. If God were to tell you something, you'd run back in your little cave because you have yourself and other people and Jesus in a pigeonhole. When they looked at Jesus, they saw a man, a man who got tired, who got hungry, who got sleepy. Their eyes were focused upon Jesus' outward appearance. When Jesus told Philip, he that hath seen me hath seen the Father, he was not talking about nor referring to his outward physical appearance. His nose, his eyes, his hands, or his feet. Jesus was referring to the life of God that proceeded forth from his innermost being. As the Son of God, the life of God, the Father flowed through him, healing the sick, casting out demons, forgiving sins, as the visible manifestation of God to the entire world. In the Old Testament, when it says firstborn, it's a title that's usually given to the first child born in the family. That first child gets this privileged position. That has more authority And some superiority Well you see Jesus Was the firstborn Of every creature It says in Colossians Chapter 1 Beginning with verse 15 Colossians Chapter 1 Beginning with verse 15 Who is the image Of the invisible God the firstborn of every creature. For by him were all things created. All things were created by him that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all Things were created by him and for him. So I'm going to talk about this. If you're one of those persons that grew up with bigotry and racial or true stigma that you naturally accepted about others, I want to point out to you that every human being was created by him and created for him. So he made them the way he wanted to make them, not the way you think they ought to be. You might want to go to the foot of Calvary and turn a lot of that upbringing in. 
You need to make sure it's nailed to the cross. Because if you don't, you will have to answer for that sin when you see Jesus face to face. Some of you think that because you were born male, you have a position of superiority over every female. I encourage you to realize that the King of Kings and Lord of Lords created them. They were created by him and for him. And he is no respective person. You might want to change your faulty ideas that you have accepted wholesale over the years. You might want to make sure they're nailed to the cross of Calvary and that they are no longer a part of you. And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. Now, if you're from this country or this cultural group, and you think that because you're this or because you're that, you're such a suchy much, your face needs to be on the floor about right now repenting. You're not better than anybody else. You never have been and you never will be. You know what I'm saying. You're not lost. Amen. It's the truth. It's time to grow up. It's time to walk in truth, church. Jesus was the firstborn of every creature. He existed before all creation. He was with God from the beginning. It was through him that the universe was brought into existence. He has a position as firstborn. So he holds a position of superiority over all creation. As the position of firstborn of all creation, God appointed him heir, the legal owner of all things. You read that in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 2, where it says, Hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the world. As the legal heir of all things, Jesus Christ, had the supreme place of power and authority in the universe and beyond. So, when Jesus went around telling them that he was the Son of God, they had a hard time. They had a hard time. When he said, Before Abraham was, I am, they understood what he was saying when he said, I am. Jesus, who was with God in the beginning, who spoke the world into existence, who was one with God, stripped himself and laid aside his glory, his divine abilities, 
and came to earth in the form of human flesh. He was the only begotten Son of God, conceived by the Holy Spirit in the womb of Mary. In Luke chapter 1, verse 35, Luke chapter 1, verse 35, And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. Now, yes, Mary heard that, but that really was over her level of understanding. She just had to say, okay, yes, I'll agree. But completely understand all of that? No, she didn't. And neither would you have. Amen? The incorruptible seed of Jesus Christ was placed in Mary's womb by the Holy Spirit. And no, I don't know how the Holy Spirit did that. I just know that he did it. The very life of God was in that incorruptible seed. Then at the time appointed by the Father, the only begotten Son of God was born. In Galatians chapter 4, verse 4, Galatians chapter 4, verse 4, but when the fullness of the time was come, Remember, we talked earlier about waiting on God's timing. When the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law. Jesus was sent by God into this world for a divine purpose. God has some purposes for you, too. You're not an accident. I don't care how you got here, you're not an accident. Jesus did not take it upon himself to come into the world. He was called and commissioned by his father. Jesus came to earth knowing he was sent and knowing what he was supposed to do. He says it in John chapter 6, verse 38. John chapter 6, verse 38. For I came down from heaven, not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. Amen? Not to do my own will, not to do things my way. We've been trying to come to the point where we're willing to do things God's way, not our way. God's way. Not our way. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. To do things God's way. Some of us are so used to our own way that we're having difficulty, but there's grace to obey, you know. The eternal Son of God, the living Word, was made flesh and dwelt among men. But man didn't recognize him. They rejected him. They rejected his claims of being the Son of God. They accused Jesus of blasphemy. 
They accused him of having a devil. They accused him of being crazy. And the Gospel of John, chapter 10, verse 20. The Gospel of John, chapter 10, verse 20. And many of them said, He hath a devil and is mad. Why hear ye him? You know, when people that are ignorant of the ways of God come around supernatural Christians, as we call them, and they begin to move in the gifts, people will say, ignorant people will say, well, maybe that's a witch. And so those people have to be properly instructed and corrected. Amen? They don't believe that God talks to us and tells us things. But he's been doing it all of the time since he created Adam. It's all through the scripture. Amen? Mark chapter 3, verse 22. Mark, the gospel of Mark, chapter 3, verse 22. And the scribes which came down from Jerusalem said, Now these are the people that are supposed to be in the know about God. They're not just some ignorant people. They're supposed to be in the know. They're supposed to be in the loop. He hath Beelzebub. They called him the devil. And by the prince of the devils, he casteth out devils. Now, isn't that awful? Yes, it is, but they didn't mind being awful. They didn't mind. Jesus knew who he was. Do you know who you are in Florida? He was not afraid of the opposition, the threat, and the attempts to kill him. He wasn't afraid. He wasn't afraid to witness because your family might decide they don't want to invite you to Thanksgiving dinner. He continued to proclaim himself as the Son of God and the one sent by God into the world. On several occasions, the Jews tried to stone him, but Jesus never wavered. There was a particular occasion when the Jews had surrounded him. And it's uh, spoken of in John chapter 10, verse 24. They said, these are the Jews. These are people who are supposed to know something about God. How long dost thou make us to doubt? If thou be the Christ, tell us plainly. Well, he'd been telling them plainly the whole time. But they were blinded by their own sin, their own rejection of truth. Jesus had already proclaimed himself as the promised Messiah on several other occasions. He told them in John chapter 6, verse 51. John chapter 6, verse 51. 
I am the living bread which came down from heaven. The living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Them all the way back to the manna that came from heaven in the wilderness. He made them connect with what they knew about. Amen? Jesus said in John chapter 7, verse 37, the Gospel of John chapter 7, verse 37, in the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirsts, let him come unto me and drink. In John chapter 8, flip the page over, John chapter 8, verse 12. Jesus again, he was talking to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. In John chapter 8, verse 58, the Gospel of John, chapter 8, verse 58, Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Before Abraham was, I am. Amen. The Jews therefore accused Jesus of blasphemy. They didn't believe him, and as is their custom over there, they'll try to kill you. Amen. What Jesus basically said to them was, I've told you, and you don't believe me. You don't trust me. You don't rely on me. The very works that I do by the power of my Father and in my Father's name bear witness concerning me. They're the things that are my credentials. They're the evidence that support that I am who I say I am. They didn't want to hear that. And so they closed their eyes and they closed their ears to the truth, just like people are doing now. You hear all these adjudications at the end of the service on Wednesday and Friday that we lift before Jesus, the righteous judge. Many people don't want to know about it. They live their lives wrapped in fear. They've closed their eyes and they've they've deafened their ears. And so they'll say and do anything. And they're Christians. So the Jews hadn't believed what Jesus said concerning himself. But nonetheless, Jesus knew who he was. You're going to run into some of your old classmates who don't believe in the new you, but you need to know who you are. People from your old life that aren't going to believe you when you say that God has changed me, Jesus Christ has come into my life. 
They're going to have too much to say that they shouldn't say. But you need to stand firm on who you are in Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus knew who he was. He didn't try to defend himself because he didn't need a defense. The works that he had done in his father's name were all the evidence that they needed to know that he was God's son. Jesus said in the Gospel of John, chapter 10, verse 30, John, chapter 10, verse 30, I and my father are one. One. What does one mean? Inseparable. Much more uh, than twins in the womb. You know how alike twins can be? You know how identical they can be? Well, with the father and the son, it's on a completely different level. You know how twins sit there and complete each other's sentences and know things about each other without talking to each other? Well, the oneness between the father and the son is on a completely different level. Think about it. Think about it sometimes. So as the Jews do and as people do, they'll pick up stones to throw at you, and they'll come flying right out of their mouth and their attitude. They're going to talk you down. And they're going to disclaim everything that you say when you go over for Easter dinner. They're going to tell you uh, that uh, they took the vaccine and there's nothing wrong with it and blah, 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 blah. And you already know that there is no truth in that at all. Now, do what the Holy Spirit tells you to do. If the Lord opens your mouth, say something. If he doesn't, keep it closed and eat dinner. You see, a lot of times people aren't ready to receive truth. A lot of times people don't want it anyway. So, according to the Jews' uh, custom, they believe that the penalty for blasphemy was stoning somebody to death. So you know they're ready to stone Jesus to death. But you should pay attention to how Jesus reacts. He doesn't react like us. He responds. He was surrounded by a bunch of hostile, angry people who were getting ready to stone him to death. And he wasn't afraid. He didn't panic. He didn't run. He knew who he was. And as they were lifting up their hands, to throw boulders, not stones, boulders at him, he said in John chapter 10, beginning with verse 32, John chapter 10, beginning with verse 32, Jesus answered them, many good works I have showed you from my father, for which of those works do ye stone me? And the Jews answered him, 
saying, For a good work we stone thee not, but for blasphemy, because that thou, being a man, makest thyself God. So Jesus dealt with that. You see, the Jews looked at Jesus as they saw him as a man. They saw him as Mary and Joseph's son. His daddy was a carpenter. They were in Nazareth. And some of them didn't see that. They knew that the promised Messiah was coming, but in their minds they had an entirely different concept of what Jesus, of what Christ would be like, what the Messiah would be like, and how he would act. They had already figured it out. Let me tell you, we had an experience once. We were baptizing, and Brother Bill was out in the out in the water, and we have a certain way that we baptize for certain reasons, and. I, I, long years ago, I instructed Brother Bill on how we should do this. Okay, and we had this certain person to come, and what this person had done is they had put it in their own mind how every little step was supposed to go in this baptism thing. They had it all figured out in their brain. And it was supposed to go just so, and this was supposed to happen, and this was supposed to happen, and it's supposed to be the way they thought. Well, when they got there, they found out it wasn't go- if we don't do it the way they thought. And this person couldn't handle it. They couldn't handle it. <laughs> Can you believe it? You come all this way, you get on an airplane, you show up here, to get baptized, but you have pre-programmed yourself on how every little thing's supposed to go. And when you get to the actual event, that's not the way it's supposed to go. Well, that's what was wrong with the Jews. Amen. And some of us do it too. We have these limitations and preconceived ideas, and they hinder us from believing that Jesus is truly the Son of God and can do what he says he can do. So Jesus faced these people, and he had a strategy for dealing with them. And what's his strategy? His strategy is the word of God. That's right. Jesus answered them and said to them, he quoted out of a scripture in Psalms, and he said to them, I have said. He says it's written in your law that ye are God. And all of you are children of the Most High. So what he's saying is to them, men are called gods by the law, little g. Men to whom God's message has been given. And the scripture cannot be set aside, broken, or annulled. 
since your scriptures say that men can be God, why are you wanting to stone me because I tell you I'm the son of God? Amen? That's what happened. So, these people were highly upset with Jesus. They didn't want to deal with him anymore. They didn't want to deal with what was going on. Jesus said he was the resurrection and the life. He called Lazarus from the grave. So Jesus could walk in victory because he knew he was the son of God. He knew he came from the father. He knew he was the image of God. He knew he was the heir of all things. Well, what about you? Do you know that you're a son of the living God, that we're his sons and daughters, that he's transforming you into the image of Jesus Christ? Don't you know that you're a joint heir with Jesus? I'll tell you what the problem is. You have limitations in your mind that you have placed upon yourself and upon God. And before you can come into the experience that you ought to have so that you can face the enemy properly as Jesus did, your mind has got to be freed from those limitations. Every day you put information into your mind through your eyes and your ears and your experiences. You're programming your mind. And over a period of time, you fed yourself stuff that hinders you. It determines what you do. So if you're walking in the valley of defeat, you need to be deprogrammed. The problems you're facing seem very big and somewhat insurmountable, regardless of what kind of problem it is or what kind of bondage. A lot of people, a lot of Christians don't feel it's possible to live as Jesus lived. It's because they place limitations upon God and on themselves. So now it's time for you to think about any limitations that you may have in your mind that are hindering you from walking in 100% victory with Jesus. What your assignment is, is to reread John chapter 3. Your homework is to reread John chapter 3. And also to take time and think about your, those limitations, those pigeonholes, also known as sin, that you may have in your mind that are hindering you from walking in victory with Jesus. Take these hindrances, these limitations to God one by one in prayer. Don't get in a hurry. Take your time. These limitations, these sins, will hinder you from setting your mind and positioning yourself as a son of God. Your mind must be delivered and set free from these limitations. So, you're being challenged 
to release your faith and be set free in the name of Jesus Christ so that you might receive all that God has for you. Amen? Amen. So I want to encourage you to go back and reread John chapter 3 and have a serious conversation with your Heavenly Father about the limitations that you have. Perhaps you don't see him in the light you ought to see him in. And as a result, you can't see yourself the way he wants you to see yourself. Amen? Pastor loves you. God bless you. And have a wonderful fast. You died on count.